You are now listening to For All Nerds Show, a podcast about geek and pop culture from the perspective of people of color. For All Nerds is hosted by DJ Ben Amin and Tatiana Keen Jones. For All Nerds Show is a member of the Loudspeakers Network, where we always say rest in peace to our founder, Combat Jack. For All Nerds Show is powered by our listeners. Everything we do from our podcasts, live events, our website are all independently funded. Please continue to support us through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash for all nerds. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And what's up, y'all? And welcome back to the For All Nerds Show. The voice of the urban geek, the podcast where we discuss geek culture from the perspective of people of color. It's a critical analysis and all that over here, y'all. And as always, sitting in the captain's chair, it's your boy DJ Ben Amin, a.k.a. Charlie Brownish, Lightwork Yagami, Ready Hater 1, Bid Fetch. Method mansplaining, toss a coin to your ninja. LeBron Shane here in the spaceship tonight. Yes, shout out to my boy LJ Lakers World Champs. LeBron Shane and LeBron Frames. Ooh, my brother Chico Leo, what up? Yes. And sitting in the code captain's chair, as always. Tatiana King, a.k.a. The Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as Lambo Calrissian, Beretta Scott King, Jean-Jean Luc Picard, Princess Preach, Dame Diner Dash, and the mm. Ting of the North. There we go. There we go. There we go. For those new listeners out there, because I know we got a lot of new listeners, a lot of new viewers on our Twitch channel today. I know there's a lot of people waiting right now for what we have lined up for you. <laughs> you know you know. You already know what's going on. You know coming. why I'm here. Yeah, I know why y'all here. You know, we got a lot of new people, so make sure you hit follow, hit subscribe on twitch.tv slash for all nerds for real. Everyone, I implore you. One, we working on getting to that 1K. I'm going to wear the rap god outfit. I meant to bring it up here tonight. I have this ridiculous thing sent to me by Lexi Alexander. Oh, it god. is out of control. Maybe I'll bring it after the break but and show y'all, but um, yeah, it's... It's stupid. You know, so we get to 1K and I'm wearing it. I make a complete fool of myself. You know, and we're not far from 1K, right? No, we're not far. We are not far. We want to get there by Halloween because we got big things planned for Halloween on our twitch.tv slash for all nerds. So make sure you are over there because I know y'all are here today. Y'all watching on Facebook. Y'all watching on, uh, what's the thing on Twitter? Periscope. Y'all watching on Twitter, on YouTube. Are we YouTube. still doing YouTube? We still doing YouTube most of the time until they until ban they us. Until they clip us. Yeah. yeah, until they cut us. We still there. But twitch.tv slash for all nerds. So make sure you follow. You ain't got to subscribe or anything. It's free. All you got to do is download the app if you got it on your phone. Twitch on your phone. Download it. Search for for all nerds. Boom. There you go. Hit follow. That's all you got to do. It's yeah. simple. And it's good to, I know some people watch just randomly, just, just watch it without logging in or doing anything. That's cool. Mm-hmm. However, if you download the the app and also get an account, then you can actually chat with us. Yeah, as Ben Amin said, you can follow us and you can really be involved. So, mm-hmm. and we need it. that. Like when I'm DJing on there and it's just like two or three people in the chat, I just feel so lonely. You know, like don't do it to me. You know, I just <laughs> and, and that's the thing. It's just like there may be a bunch of watchers, but not mm-hmm. everyone's logged in. So yes, yeah, yeah. So please log in. Follow us. Twitch.tv/slash for all nerds. 
You know what we got going down today, and there's only more things coming. Shout out to the Safe Negro Pod. It's great to collaborate with y'all. Shout out to everybody <laughs> following the Safe Negro Pod. I think we had like we gained like 300 new people Yo, in the last stupid. week. It's been wild, but it's yeah. been an amazing type of wild. So mm-hmm. thank you to everyone who's following everything. Thank you to everybody who has been following, listening, and told other people because it's, we got busy off a of word of mouth. So thank you so much for everything, and thank you for continuing to support us on the T Public page. T Public. Oh dot com slash stores slash for all nerds that's actually okay. the correct link because that lets you see all of the different ah. all of the different uh uh designs we have if you if you just go to tpublic.com slash for all nerds you're only gonna see stuff that's tagged with for all nerds on it but we have more than that so yes tpublic.com slash stores slash for all nerds okay and Thank you'll you. be able to get your safe negro pod designs mm-hmm and uh or your Nawi design mm. or just just everything and and shout out to Sufe Bradshaw did y'all see did y'all see her wearing the Nawi sweatshirt my god yo yo yes shout out to Bounce Comet for creating the Nawi is a great warrior design um you know if you've watched Lovecraft Country it was one of my favorite moments and we actually put now we in now we you know we put some, now we, i thought that was on the some hardest line shit. Yeah. that's the hardest line man when you put now we in now we you know what i mean yeah. you know you know i heard you like now we so we put some now we in your now <laughs> we're just Exhibit. celebrating because like it's it's really amazing i mean you all that are listening give that to us like when we can mm-hmm. see that we're making a difference in your life when you share how much you enjoy us or or your reactions and when we're talking about things and then also to see uh, other creatives like in our merch and and people who are involved in the art that we like to consume like it's it's incredible yeah it's and incredible. the reaction to safe negro pod and to lovecraft country has just been so stupid mm. you know like <laughs> keep saying that <laughs> i mean it's been amazing yo you know i just feel so good about it and like what the destructions we had over the last 10 weeks yo. 10 you know shout out to portia me you and tatiana you know we all knocked out 10 weeks solid you know what I mean? I really feel like, honestly, that we need to re-go do, like, the first two. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, so we switched up we switched up the style. And that's just me being a perfectionist, you know. But, yeah, 10 solid weeks of, you know, just some really in-depth, like, deep conversations about so much more than just television. And I'm just so happy to be a part of it. Shout out to Germany. Yo. We had a listener from Germany shout us out, talk about how they don't get to talk a lot to black oh, people yeah. and you know hearing us every week is like hearing their friends you know and talking to black people and i know it's a lot of people not just germany everywhere who feels that way you know even if you you know are surrounded by black people you just feel like this is a family that like we were talking about on the safe negro mm-hmm. pod it's like you know the for all nerds family and we always talk about the fan fam you know and all y'all mm-hmm. are our family so thank y'all so much because the reactions all the different talk i mean good and bad and i think we need to talk about that a little bit right Ooh. I yeah. was just gonna say, like, not everyone had the best time ever. No, and that's okay. Like, yes. everyone doesn't have to like the same things. There, and and also, let's be very clear: there is such thing as critique. Mm-hmm. And when you have a well-rounded critique with examples, <laughs> yep. you 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 you've read the content, you've understood what's going on, and then you have something to say about it. That's critique. 
Yes. Simply saying, oh, this is trash and walking away. That's not critique. That's just no. being funny. But uh, yeah, there was, there's been some Lovecraft Country critiques, which, which mm-hmm. criticisms or critiques, if you want to call it, which I actually completely expected. Yep. Because while Lovecraft to me is just phenomenal TV, phenomenal writing, all this other stuff, there are mm-hmm. still things that I would have liked to see differently or yep. handle differently or, or re- just approach a different way or not approach at all, mm-hmm. uh, i.e. Yahima. But, um, you know, we, there were some, there was a New York Times article and some other stuff that we were reading that, mm-hmm. that showed that sh- they shared some of their critique and a lot of it was, was, okay, I hear you. That makes sense. Yep. Other stuff, not so much. No. Um, particularly the New York Times article, like I, I agreed with some of that approach, but another part of it I didn't agree with only because the to me it was it wasn't it, it was not necessarily based on what I don't know if they really quite understood the a certain scene or or the the reasoning for things. Now mm-hmm. one could argue if you have to think so deeply about it that you don't get it then maybe that's indicative of you not being clear enough as a writer, potentially. Potentially, but then one can argue it's uh, like, to use an example from hip-hop, right? A Kendrick Lamar album versus a Drake album, I would say. You know, both of them are dope lyricists to me, and they both do different styles, though. While Kendrick is something like, you know, damn, right? It's program where you can listen to it backwards and forwards, and it tells a different story either way. That's some deep ass shit. You know what I mean? It's like, I listen to De La Soul albums from 30 years ago right now, and I'm still catching references in their lyrics that I never understood. You know what I mean? And that's good. Like, sometimes you want that, you know, level of quality. And then sometimes you want something that's not so easy. You know, like, I enjoy Fast and the Furious, you know? But then that's like, I also like movies where I'm like, oh, you know, what's going on here and everything. Mm Mm-hmm. So you got to have both. But my problem and one of my biggest things with I feel like people are not understanding and not accepting whatever the case may be is that black creators, and I had a thread on Twitter about this, black creators, unless you're coddling to whiteness, you know, unless you're just it's like basically writing your characters as if they have no race or if they have no, you know, knowledge of our reality of America that we live in. Unless you're just coddling into whiteness like that, you have to deal with so much more than what a white creator or someone coddling has to deal with when you create. And that's what happened with Lovecraft Country, right? Like Lovecraft Country is attempting to talk about so many different things. They're talking about our history of violence in our own community to ourselves. Yeah. They're talking about why we have that history of violence to our own community, because who inflicted it upon us? You know, they're talking about the history of race. People talk about that, oh man, you know, every, like, a good friend of mine, I'm not calling by name right now, you know, I'll wait till they're on the show again, but they were like, yo, you know, I feel like it's just straight preaching to me. You know, every episode, there's that moment where, you know, here's the black history moment and everything slows down so they can, you know, run you a list of names. And I'm like, yes, but what people don't understand is that whiteness, let's say a show like Seinfeld, just exists in whiteness, right? And it's just accepted as the norm. And we don't realize how ridiculous that is. Or the even worse example, something like Friends takes place in New York and there's no black people. You know what I mean? And we just accept it. You know, we watch it eight, nine seasons. When it comes on a new streaming service, every time I see Twitter blowing up with black people talking about, oh my God, I can't wait to watch Friends again. You know what I mean? I've actually never seen a full I've seen I've seen multiple episodes. It to me, is a basic-ass sitcom. 
you know, and I've seen too many basic ass sitcoms in my life, especially ones that just expound whiteness and people don't realize what an effect that has when you accept whiteness as the norm, when you don't see yourself on screen, you know, what an effect that has on our psyche and stuff. And so when something like Lovecraft Country comes around, I understand the criticism, but I'm also someone who grew up with Spike Lee and understood when it was like Spike Lee was the only one out there. And so I think I've told this story before, but to reiterate, do the right thing, loses the fucking Oscar, right? To I think driving Miss Daisy, correct me if I'm wrong, but loses the Oscar, you know, does not win. Do the right thing, you know, <laughs> right? Like, do the right thing. One of the greatest films I've ever seen in my life. And then black people criticized Spike because they were like, it takes place in Brooklyn, New York in 1989 and you don't mention crack once. And so he's like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I lose the Oscar to this bullshit. You know, to this oppressive nonsense. You know, sorry, Morgan Freeman, but hey, bro, that was on you. Hold that one. You know what I mean? So he loses the Oscar. And then the black people, they're still criticizing him because, you know, he didn't talk about everything that black people. So then he makes Jungle Fever, which is a romance story, and to talk about black and white relationships. And he has to include this crack storyline in it, mm. you know, which turns out to be one of the best parts of the movie. But it also makes the movie bloated. And everybody's like, oh, this movie's bloated. Blah, blah, blah. You cannot win. I quote the Tupac line all the time. Niggas don't hate you for whatever you do. You know, there's 10 rules to this game, but I'll share with you too. Negroes don't hate you for whatever you do. And it's messed up, but it's also true. Like there, there was a Mary Sue um, review of Lovecraft Country where they felt like the colorism between Ruby and Letty wasn't explicitly, explicitly shown. But see, and the problem with that is, like I thought... <laughs> Like you, we all, when I say we all, us on Safe Negro Power, we picked up on that and we talked mm-hmm. about it multiple times. The problem with that also is just like, I think it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. It was yep. a subtle approach to colorism. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was too subtle for the person who said that. All right. Yep. But then if they were more overt with it, then people would be like, why are you being so heavy handed with the colorism? And I'm just like, is it? Is there any point where it's like, this is fine? Like, mm-hmm. and it's, that's the only time when I feel like it's so subjective because it's like the as long as you're doing it in a way that's that's respectful and palpable and all this other stuff it's just like where where is the line of this is enough of this issue being injected into the show versus this isn't enough like where's that line there never is I mean what you said damn it's you know it's the same way that Tupac said it you know it doesn't matter it's like you're never going to be able to appease everyone you know that's the point she could have she could have sprinkled more colorism in there it's just like what and then, the, like, the New York Times article, they talk about how the characters, how we don't get to see complex. And a lot of people, this is something that I've been realizing over the last few years, right? Because we push this thing, inclusion is revolution. You can get the t-shirt on our tpublic.com slash store slash for all nerds, you know? But we push this idea of inclusion is revolution because we want to see characters that look like us. And we want to see characters that act like us in complex ways. We don't want to see characters filled with tropes, right? Ruby, to me, is one of them dope-ass complex characters, but Ruby yeah. confounds expectations in a lot of ways. She's a dark-skinned woman who's looking, in some ways, might be looking to appease whiteness. You know, she talks about it before she ever meets Magic. She talks about how, oh, Letitia, if you just had these people up in here. You know, she's not down with Letitia's protests and getting locked in jail and all that stuff. She's like, I'm going to get me a good job at Walmart. You know what I mean? Not Walmart. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, so that and so there and it's right there. But people would normally think of Letitia, the light skin character, as being like that. 
but it's a difference, right? Now, whether or not that's a trope too is something, but at, you know, it's a difference and it's a complex character. It's just like with Montrose. He is a super complex character. And I remember when I was sitting there watching the episode, before he even killed Yahima, when he was like, what are you? I was like, oh my God, people are going to go nuts. But the point is, Montrose was born in whatever year. He's a black man born in this year. Just because he is confused and doesn't even know what his own sexuality is does not mean he's not going to react like that because that is what he is trained to react like. Pretty because much. he knows he can't act any other way because he was beaten all his life for acting any other way. Yeah. So he's not acting out of character. That's the thing. People want complex characters, but then they don't realize that sometimes complex characters are not going to agree with your morals. Complex characters are going to do things you don't want them to do. All the time. That's <laughs> the point. And things you don't agree with. Now, again, I know that there is a, a specified line for when, yeah, they may not do things you think they should do, but it also doesn't make sense within the content of their character. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. But and- when it fully does, then it's just like, what are you mad about? So that being said, like, I thought, again, the New York Times article had a lot of great points. And mm-hmm. also there were, there were a lot of things that I disagreed with. Yep. And also, like, I disagree. Like, I thought that scene with Montrose was great. But then I also understand that, you know, even though it's in character for him to kill Yahima, what that means on screen. Yeah, that that was a lot. You know, and, and what that, that, that was means. A mis- that was a misstep. Yes. And, and, and Misha Green did own up to that and said as much that mm-hmm. I, I did not do well in that. And yes. In her, and, and it's funny, in her quest, because she said the reason she did it cause it was to show how the oppressed can mm-hmm. also be oppressors. Yep. But in her quest to do that, she oppresses. She oppress I mean in 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 an art form, she she just mm-hmm. uh what's the word I'm looking for? She just redoes that same cycle again. Yes. And 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 she recognized that and and you know said as much, but but that's also the point and that's also the fact and you know rule of horror, you know of the genre she was working in. Horrible things are going to happen to good people. You know, that's just how it well, is. Well, it didn't have to happen, Yahima. Yahima, for all that, Yahima could, she didn't even have to be. It didn't, that but see, like, the, she, she didn't have to be like, not, excuse me, they, mm-hmm. Yahima, they did not have to even be there if that was going to be the end of it. Like, but see, I kill this you the and point. never to see you again. You should have left the book on some random pillar that broke okay. apart or something. True, but then you don't even get to see the character Yahima at all. And that's the same thing. But like, if you're not going to do the character justice, why bother? People are still asking for Uncle George to come back, right? Uncle George is like, and here's the other thing, right? Uncle George gets shot by a white man, dies, you know? The uproar is different, and we've talked about that before, you know what I mean? How it's like, it's normalized to see black people get killed on screen. We don't want to see the normalization of indigenous, trans, two-spirit, Yahimas get killed on screen either, you know? But we have to think about what that means as well, you know? And the fact that we can accept that, and we should be accepted because it's a horror thing. People are gonna die. <laughs> you know, like, it's like it's, a- like, it's, it's not like it's the first black person out to go. They're all black. Yeah. One of them gotta go. Also, though, can people, <laughs> and, and maybe in certain in certain contexts, people are not gonna die with dignity. But could you, when you introduce, <laughs> but could you, when you introduce a two per, a two spirit being that is from a yes. little, if never shown, mm-hmm. culture? Yep. And that's how you do them. Like that wasn't good. You you did them dirty. You did you did dirty. You and, did. And at the end of the day, it was just I fully agree. Like that wasn't the way. I mean, I still feel like you know Diana killing Christina was a little like, but right. At the same- that bothers you. And now I 
I to me I have first of all Diana is me because I was like that's the what the fuck I would have done yeah yeah I but I was able to it made sense in the context of the story and the rational mm-hmm. and I was able to rationalize that on on our last episode of Safety Equal Pod which you should have been listening to listen to it now if you haven't yeah and I, I was too and you know we could go on all day about this we've already gone all the, all day we've had ten episodes of it. Make sure you check out the Safe Negro Pod. I mean, we got a lot more coming up, you know, obviously. You know, you're all waiting. So let's just get right to it, you know. Right after this break, we are welcoming Mr. Michael K. Williams, Mr. F. Yo Kids, Mr. Montrose (laughs) F. Yo Kids Freeman himself. Golden trash bag. Golden trash bag. (laughs) The fifth Alders. Yes. But Michael K. Williams is 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 just a wonderful person. Wonderful. Wonderful person. Oh, my God. You know, so much more after the break. Just get ready for this, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Professor Brandon Obunu, a scientist who studies genetics and epidemics. And when I'm not doing long division, I'm listening to For All Nerds. Hey, yo, this is Danny Lore, and this is Vida Ayala, and we are Twin Speaks. And when we are not writing Ironheart or James Bond, we are listening to For All Nerds. Hi, my name is Genevieve King, and I play Jackie Veda on Netflix's Lock and Key. When I'm not cooking up new recipes in my kitchen, then I'm listening to For All Nerds. Hey, everybody. This is Peter Ramsey. I am the director of Rise of the Guardians and one of the directors of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And I like to listen to For All Nerds with Tatiana and the great Benjamin. Hey, this is Hiro Karangawa, actor and playwright. And you are listening to For All Nerds all the way. Hi, this is Lexi Alexander, and I'm a filmmaker and a writer. And when I'm not playing with my vintage toys and feeding myself and my dog, then I'm listening to For All Nerds. Hey, what's up? This is Otto Asando, and when I'm not on television and movie sets, I am listening to For All Nerds. back to the show everyone we know that you are still recovering from the finale of the first season of lovecraft country but instead of letting you rest we're turning up the heat today in the winthrop house we have a legend and we do not say that word lightly let's run it down the line born in brooklyn you might know him from music videos or battling people in the clubs you might know that his first acting gig came in a tupac shakur film or you might know him by one of his other names omar little chalky white Montrose Freeman. That's right, folks. We are the one and only Michael K. Williams here with us tonight. Welcome and thank you. No doubt. No doubt. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Man, thank you so much for being here. Like we say, everybody you know, out there just finished watching the finale of Lovecraft Country. Everybody's mind is blown. And wow, we're just glad you're here. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate mm-hmm. you, man. Where you at right now? I'm MBK right now. In bed stock. Oh, Oh, that's what's yes. up. That's what's yeah, up. Yeah. So is Portia. I'm from BK. You're yeah. he's New oh, York with us. In the house. What up? That's what's up. <laughs> right now, as we speak, in the sty. Yes, sir. That's yep. what's up. 
So, first of all, do you just live at HBO? Um, you've been involved in so many iconic and popular series on the network. Like, is this just the place to find you on TV? Um, is it would appear that way? Oh, is that, <laughs> although that's you know, I don't have any um perks over there. I, I audition for everything. Um, I was. Mm in the process of, of auditioning for Monchos, but then um, the producers decided to, to make me the offer. I was actually gonna, on my way to LA, to uh, do a, a, a screen test for the for the character uh, uh, opposite Jonathan. Right. Um, so I said that to say, um, you, you know, um, I've been blessed. You know, they, uh, they, they keep, um, they don't find me boring yeah, so a <laughs> <laughs> well, big enough pain in their ass, you know, where they don't want to hire me. So um, I've been blessed. I mean, I hope they're backing up the money truck for you because you are responsible for for a lot of the iconic nature, as we said, of that network right now. So we want to make sure they're taking care of you. You know, um, I, I can't complain. Honestly, <laughs> I can't. I, I can't. Good. I cannot complain. Good. That's what we want to hear. Got a little family vibe going on over there. <laughs> You could say that about a lot of uh, your characters, right? Like Omar, Chalky, they're both from HBO. Um, could oh, you talk? Yeah. To- yeah. Omar, Chalky, Freddie, Freddie Knight, mm-hmm. uh, Jack G, and Bessie. Yep. Uh, I mean, ja- uh, um, um, my first uh, um, 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 HBO film was actually uh, Lackawanna Blues. I played mm-hmm. Jimmy Lee opposite of uh, Macy Gray. She was she was Peaches. Um, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've been really blessed, you know, um, HBO was, you know, it's been known for quality content and to have my name associated with all those different projects. Um, uh, like I said, I, I've been blessed. So, uh, that's what's up. But anyway, anyway your question was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, thank you for putting this on your, like, like her whole filmography there. And we can go back and have everyone listening, like just go through HBO and find you right there. Um, so talking a little bit about Lovecraft Country, what was your first exposure to the world of this world and, um, the mind of Misha Green? Um, I, I had read, I I had read the pilot and that was my introduction to Lovecraft. I had never heard of HP Lovecraft or the world Mm -hmm. that he created. None of that stuff. I'm I'm not the hugest sci-fi person, although I do, I do like what I like. And for me, when I when I read the book and I found out who he was and the world that he created, he reminded me of one of my favorite TV shows of all time, which is the original uh, the original Twilight Zone. Mm. You know Classic. where they take the yeah where they take the uh, socially conscious and they mix it with the bizarre, and mm-hmm. and that is the world that H.P. Lovecraft created in, in novels, and and then they made they based the book on that world that he created and. And Lovecraft Country is based on that book about that world. I see, I see, yeah. And we're avid book readers, and we've read the book over and over at this point so many times well, now. I read it once. <laughs> I read it once. So you read it once. <laughs> I struggled to get to the end. Oh, because okay. I thought my next question, like, how did you like the book versus how the show is so much different? The script was so much more interesting for me. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, uh, <laughs> But then again, I'm just a silly actor. I um, uh, the, the scripts were way more interesting. I, I did read the book. Um, you know, I remember reading the book also too for uh for um Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. I read the North Side. You had you had two books. You had the um you had Boardwalk Empire, which was the 
the first couple of seasons were based on. And then um, when Chalky got his little his little world about, you know, what it was like to, to live on the other side of, of Atlantic City, mm-hmm. what they call Chicken Bone Beach, I believe it's called. That's what that's what the, the ancestors called it. Um, um, the um, there was a book called The North Side. So I remember reading those books. You know, I, I try to read, but sometimes the, the script is just always so much more better. You know, I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. And I, I would think with the script, you also, I mean, not to say that you're gonna try to rewrite anything, but like sometimes the script gives you more flexibility than the book. With it. everything sets in stone with the book, whereas the script you can maybe move some things around, adjust as you all shoot, you know, different things like that. And it's more, yeah, and correct. And it's also a little bit more pinpointed, you know, um, mm-hmm. a book could be, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of pages. Strip <laughs> <laughs> is 30, <laughs> 60. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I like my shit a little bit more condensed. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And you know that joint is 60 pages or it's 30 it pages. Like, I that's thought, it. After 25 pages, I thought, well, how many pages have I just <laughs> Wow. I'm bad, y'all. I'm bad. I'm no, bad. Th- th- this is hilarious. And, I mean, and this is, uh, I'm really glad that we're having this time with you because, I mean, we, we love you as an actor. A lot of people appreciate you and your work. And when we talk about Montrose, so... <laughs> He's a very contentious character for a lot of viewers, ourselves included. Like, we recognize him to be a man that he's full of pain, suffering, and he's misguided in his approaches, but he be trash to so many people. So it's, you know, especially as a person who, who like, you seem very cool to us. Like, how, how do you go about portraying a character that's not going to have the biggest fan club? Hurt people hurt people. Mm. Mm. And I understand that. I know what that means. I understand what that feels like from being on both sides of that that equation. And that's how I approach Mancho's his pain and his um his ill behavior towards um other human beings, the family members. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I equate uh human personality um at its basic form. I I I equate it with two analogies, and that's the belly button. You have the Audi and then you have the any. Um, Any personalities tend to take their anger and their frustration, their pain and hurt themselves like myself. I'm an any, right? And then you have Audis who lash out other people and want to cause other people pain. That's because it's it's Mm -hmm. from the same source. They're hurting. And I I bring that. That's that's one of the um, main ingredients that I bring into the kitchen when it's time to create anything that I do. I, I, I recognize the fact that there's hurt and pain in everybody. And mm-hmm. it's just how do, how does each character deal with that, with their hurt and pain? Who's the Audi and who's the any? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And so Montrose is more of an Audi then. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you I mean, go. He got the ball focus. He be swigging too. Like Montrose he, is not afraid of that liquor. He be no, on the hen heavy. <laughs> heavy. Yeah, you don't want him pouring your drink in the club. No, That's all I'm saying. Do not. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Montrose will give you problems. Yes, oh. he would. Yo, all right. Now you you've spoken about how like, you know, how like many black men, you know, you grow up without a father in your home. And what really gets to me about Montrose and everything is how you were able to capture someone who reminded me of some so much of my own father. My father was in the home, but 
you know, I had that history of violence to deal with. I had that, you know, a, a man who grew up in a mil, you know, in the military. You know, I had that mm-hmm. black man trying to survive in America. Mm-hmm. So, like, where did you, you know, get that man? Because them scenes between Montrose and Atticus, like, we talked about this every week. You know, it was yeah. devastating for me. Like, yeah. just, you know, they it, it was crushing, bro. Like, you did, you know, like, thank you. Yeah, man. First of all, shout out to um. Man, my homie, my partner in crime, man, my mm. little brother, Jonathan Majors, he's brilliant. Um, shout out to him. But um, for me, that was, you know, um, that was my mom. Mm. Uh, my mom's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm first generation Caribbean. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, my mom's from the Bahamas. And I was just um, reading something across my uh, social media about the uh, slave migration and what that did to uh, people from the Bahamas and particularly um the way that the whoopings were so severe that's that's um that's blood trauma mm-hmm. that's blood trauma passed down from the slave trade in the caribbean you mm-hmm. know what happened in the on the caribbean islands because it was a it was a slightly different experience for the one the ones that got dropped off in the west east and caribbean than the ones that made it here to america um slightly and um yeah so the whoopings were severe um yeah. and and that's the way my my mom didn't play. She still don't play. You know, she's mm-hmm. just swinging her cane at me and shit. I'd be ready to call. I could call <laughs> BCW. She'd be swinging the cane at me, bro. Like, I'd be like really? You know, <laughs> she ain't afraid of Omar. <laughs> no, 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 not, not at all. But you know what I'm saying? So for me, that was um, I know what those uh. You know, I know what those ass whoopings look right. like, and I know what they feel like. It was mm-hmm. for me. It was my mother, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that was so much like. And then even the scene when you were watching, you know, the you know having to watch the younger version of yourself, like I bit, you know that that switch did the bigger like. Oh man, it was like I, you know I was like, drum on, man. That's why he got the whole twig, like the, yeah. the whole tree branch. I don't yeah. think branch really. Like, I've been there. Yeah. It's yeah. terrible. <laughs> So like, how, all right, but that's something else that we talk about often on the show, and a lot of people ask us like, how do we express you know stories that tell these stories, you know, that tell like this history we have, tell the truth, to tell the truth, but you know we don't want to fall into the idea of trauma for entertainment's sake. Yeah, yeah, like it's this phenomenon called trauma porn, and they and and a lot of people talk about it, particularly on social media, how a lot of black characters are going through it. Mm-hmm. So. It's difficult because the thing is, that's still real life. It's still true. Black people in America have gone through so much trauma and it's generational. So, you know, how, how do we balance being able to tell the truth in the stories while also avoiding kind of that, that trauma porn? That is a very good question. Um, I'm starting to realize the effects that that has on me, um, my mental health and my emotional well-being. Uh, Lovecraft, um, tore me to pieces on a personal level mm. because of that, that same trauma porn that you speak of. Um, you know, Jay-Z has a lyric in one of his songs, you can't heal what you never reveal. Mm-hmm. And it is time for us as black people to start looking, because we, we laugh about some, I was your brother was in the corner the other day, and I went to a little outside, little barbecue, little mm-hmm. jam they had somewhere in Brooklyn, and 
me, it was me and a bunch of my old homies. Now, you know, a bunch of us dancers, like, you know, I used to be a background mm-hmm. dancer. It's me and my brother, we, we sitting about talking. And we started talking about, you know, the neighborhood, the black that the party was on is gentrified now. We was like, man, listen, mm-hmm. I know what this block used to be, right? And me <laughs> and him were the same age. It was actually his birthday. And, and then, like, and then we was laughing about the different gangs and how you had to, like, I, you had to pray to get on the train Atlantic Avenue and pray all the way to Franklin Avenue. And like, you know, it was like you held your breath. Right. And, yeah. and we and we was laughing at it. But then he said, yo, man, that was some trauma. Mm-hmm. And I looked mm-hmm. I looked at him and said, you know, you, you're right. You know, we either we're so conditioned to um, block our pain or to endure pain. That we either too we laugh it off or we don't talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. We don't deal with it. And if Lovecraft can be a tool to get us to look at what it actually looks like, the trauma that we survive, and then not just, oh, the trauma, what we do to each other, but where that mm-hmm. shit came from, mm-hmm. like that was passed on to us, right? And so if we could take a look at that and and um, hopefully start to heal, start the conversation to heal, and to recognize the fact that we are traumatized people. We got trauma, man. We got and and love crap. I never really, I never acknowledged the blood trauma until I went and shot Montrose's. Like um, that that uh that thing, man. It um it tore me up on a personal level. I had to really I had to go to therapy, hmm. and you know so um. But getting back to the, the original the, the original term to use, trauma porn, yes. it's a thin line. Mm-hmm. It's a thin line. It's a very, very thin line. And it was something that I've been struggling with since The Wire. I remember mm. when, when it was um, time for Omar to, to kill Stringer. That didn't mm. do well with me. I was just talking about this on The Breakfast Club the other day. I didn't do, I didn't do well with that. You know, it, it bothered me. I was, I was like, hey, hey, wait a minute. How come... These two dark-skinned alpha male, these two kings, how come the only way for them to deal with their differences is that one of them got to go? Mm. How, why, why I got to come to that? I didn't under... I was like, what, is, what are we really saying here? Mm. You know, are we keeping it real or are we perpetuating the problem? Mm. Exactly. And, and I mean, bro, I, I, I walked on that set and I remember, like, trying to avoid Idris. I couldn't mm. look him in his eye. Something didn't feel right, bro. It just didn't feel right. And he finally got me, grabbed me, and he hugged me, man. I started crying in his nigga's arms, brother's, brother's arms, excuse me. You it's know, okay. You can, you can say how, whatever you want to say. It's you know free. what I'm saying? I thought, you know, because cause I didn't understand it then, but I knew that something was wrong. Mm. And now I understand what it is. It's, it's, it's blood trauma. It's generational trauma. It's, it's trauma porn. It's all of that mixed in together. And for me, I had to realize that that residue doesn't wash off in the shower at the end of the day's work. Just because the director said cut or that's a wrap, mm-hmm. that residue don't go down the drain when I take my shower in the end of the day. I have to go and wash that off a different way, mentally, through therapy and prayer and, 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 and conversation conversations like this acknowledging it and and figuring out where it came from mm. 
where it came from and 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 speaking speaking to that you know like how how you know like today i use that you know i use my fire what yes. the poem says you know the fire yes. mm-hmm. in episode 9 i use my fire to activate my my little brothers and sisters the best way i can you know and to hit them to the game like bro this shit was designed for us to treat each other the way that we do mm-hmm. like don't think you don't think this is this is this is our reality like if that's what you want to do I, uh, but just know <laughs> that you know no don't feel this is the, this is the only way this is what we're supposed to be doing because this is what they they say we are you know so i've been taking my fire and going back to the hood and trying to um like i said speak truth and 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 activate the, the next generation coming behind me so they don't make the same mistakes that i did because you know i'm i'm a i shouldn't be here you know what i mean mm. i ain't mm. supposed to be here no we tried to plans yeah. God had other plans bro right mm-hmm. And like you were talking about the wire, just real quick. I think I mentioned this on the show recently. Like I'd already seen the whole thing, and then I was sitting out watching the DVDs. And when Omar got killed, I straight up rewound it, and I was like, "Yo, maybe if I rewind it, you know, that didn't happen, right? right. Like, you know, if I play it again, Omar will still be alive." Because I, you know, and I already knew, you know, I'd already seen the whole series, and it was still just, you know, it's such a impactful character, and he meant so much. That I was like, nah, you know, and like you said, why does it have to be like this? And I never even considered that about Stringer and Omar, but just even Omar's death, I was like, nah, why he gotta, you know, why he can't ride off into the sunset? Yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sad. So, you know, it's a thin line. Again, that's a very, very thin line. You know, um, we sell trauma. We do it in our music, we do it in our in our performances as as, as thespians. You know, in our writing, we sell trauma because we know pain. Mm. We know pain on such a cellular level, and I'm, all of this is just um, I'm, this is all new narrative to me. I never realized it until this pandemic. Until I had this time to sit down, just you know, after Lovecraft, just how traumatized I was. Mm. I, I just I thought that was I thought what I, my anxiety I was feeling was normal. I just thought that's what it was. I didn't even question it. Until recently, you know, best believe I put my black ass in some therapy. You know, shout out to um to, so to, um, to, to Raji P Henson. She's yes. been very vocal about that. Um, my big brother Courtney B Vance has been very vocal about it. You know, um, it's real. It's real. The trauma yeah. that we feel, you know, that we've gone through in our personal lives and in the blood, it's real. Yeah. And um. Yeah. And I'm really glad you mentioned therapy because that's really instrumental in our healing and ongoing therapy. Cause it's not like it's something that you just do once and you're fixed. Like it's, it's, they liken it to how you tune up a car. Like you always got to take the oil change. You got to rotate the tires. Like, like as a human being, you also have to keep yourself up. You have, you have upkeep, you have personal upkeep, physical upkeep, but also mental upkeep. So yes, that's ma'am. why it's very important that you mentioned therapy. So thank you for saying that. And, you know, you mentioned a lot about the different pain that people have experienced, especially if you're a person of color and the fact that we we see this in shows like Lovecraft Country. And particularly in this season, we did see what Misha showed, what Misha expressed later as um, sometimes even the oppressed people can oppress 
another group. And there is a scene where Montrose makes a decision to end Yahima's life. And Yahima was that, that two, uh, the two, uh, the, the, what, the two spirit. multi-spirit being. And, you know, w- with the show, we've learned a lot about different cultures and approaches to life and, and, you know, just, just how much different people think because of colonization and things like that. Understanding yourself as an actor and everything you know, what did you personally feel about the reaction to that scene? That scene of Macho's, yeah, okay. killing her, and that aftermath of how everyone felt because it, it it was a lot of um, a lot of people were upset. A lot of people were upset, and Macho's all he knew it was one thing and one thing only. I am going to protect my son from this dark magic. Nothing good can come of this. His understanding of that of of that magic was that it was bad. It was no good, and it was going to cause harm to his family and his 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 brother on his his dying wishes was Mancho's take care of our family, and mm. that's what he thought he was doing. Like like, it wasn't like he was being fake when he told um Atticus, "I'm I was proud. I'm proud of you, son. You you were a man. You were a man out there." And, you know, in spite of me, that was that was the truth, yeah. and that's what made him go and slit the, slit the young lady's throat because he was like, "Nah, I can't." It's like I can't have you messing with this magic. You, 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 you on the right track now. Mm-hmm. You, you, you found the answers. Leave this shit alone. And um, in his mind, he was doing the right thing. That's why he didn't fight back. He knew that Tick would have been um, would have been livid. When he found it, that's why he sat there. Marcus could have bounced after he killed that woman and, and cleaned that body and cleaned up the, the, the murder scene. He could have bounced. Yeah. But he stayed there in that room and he noticed he never swung back. <laughs> it ain't like Marcos couldn't have couldn't have swung back. He purposely <laughs> took that ass whooping because he said he'd rather, in, in his mind, I'll take this if to protect you. Even if you hate me, even if you if you if you to take out your rage, your anger on me, I'm gonna take that. If it means you stay the fuck away from this magic, you know, um, this black magic, and mm-hmm. that was his intent. That was all. All he cared about was protecting his son. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like, <laughs> like I feel like you've given us so much about Montrose's character and just like how he thought and how he approached things, and that one answer. Then, like I've seen so far, so. Thank you so much for that. Now I'm like, wow, I really understand Montrose a little bit. <laughs> you feel better about you feel a little better because I'm not gonna lie to you, Michael. Every episode of Safety Go Podcast, we like Montrose is trash. Don't deserve Sammy. Oh, like, oh no, he, he's, he he got issues. Montrose got some serious issues. Okay, we just want to keep it real with you because we were just like, nah, nah, nah. Every time it was Montrose, you're right. Like, you're right. Dude ain't rap tight. <laughs> All right. Okay. Good. Um, We're not tripping. Fine. <laughs> you're not tripping. I promise you that. Can't wrap tight. But um, you know, uh, um, my mother always said the road to hell is is paved with good intentions. Mm. Mm. And and that is Montrose in a nutshell. Montrose Freeman. You know, we're talking about a lot of pain and and, and difficulties, but let's talk about joy for a minute. So. We we don't get to see a lot of moments of un, of unburdened joy from Montrose, but we know that that joy he feels like when he's at the ball that's undeniable. Like you actually be able to find yourself. So, 
just you as the, you know within this character what other moments of joy were you happy to capture in Lovecraft countries or were there any fun moments on the set that you want to share oh there were lots of fun moments on the set um <laughs> we had so man journey Jonathan and I bro we had so much fun I mean we became the three musketeers nice. in this in this story um my favorite scenes were in the water under the museum when we had to go swimming and we were like dolphins, like kids floating around there. And they they made a 12-foot pool, like a 12-foot like stage, I should call it. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, we spent like two weeks in that water. And you, know, you really bond with people <laughs> in a pool for two weeks. It had to be cold. I, it had to be cold. No, no, they, they kept it. They kept it, it a, a decent temperature. Oh, my bad. It I said it's the old money. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> But that was um that was a uh, one of one of the most fun moments for me. We um, came like a kid in that water with those two. Um, but as far as Montrose is concerned, um, yeah, that ball scene was definitely one of his uh liberating moments, his fun moments. And um when they were in the car on their way back to Artem and they were singing Life Could Be a Dream, yeah, Shaboom. You know, <laughs> I think you know, Montrose loves his family. And I think that, that that car ride and all of them together and singing in the car, I think it reminded him of, of you know, his childhood before before the before the massacre. Mm -hmm. It took him back, you know, and to have his, you know, his his family with him there. I think that it it um you know that that was a was a good time for him. Mm. Yeah, I'm happy that we got to see a happy moment with Montrose after all those like anger and hurt moments. Um, and too. like in interest of like talking about like some like fun, happy things, um, we'd love if we could do a quick rap segment where we just ask you to say like pick real quick, rapid fire, this one or this one. Just make your choice. Okay. If you can just get through it, you can. If you have an explanation, if we all just go, oh, and you're like, oh, no, let me explain to do that, you know, but all we're. Right. Try to get through this as quickly as possible. Ready? Okay. Yep. Um, Letty or Ruby? Letty or Ruby? Ruby. All right. Atticus, Montrose, or George? Atticus, Montrose, or George? Atticus. Mm. Omar Little or Chalky White? Chalky. Wow. Chalky over me. Omar. <laughs> oh, you want to break some hearts now. People go like, no. <laughs> hurt me, brother. <laughs> okay. Uh, William or Christina? William or Christina? Christina. <laughs> Christina the vampire, yo. Uh, and we talk about geek culture here, so we got to give you a geek culture one. Superman or Batman? Batman. <laughs> From New York, Gotham City. <laughs> he was offended. <laughs> Batman. He was offended. <laughs> All right. I can't believe I get to ask this one. And I feel ridiculous asking it. But The Wire or Breaking Bad? The Wire. <laughs> yes. Wouldn't that be weird if you said otherwise? I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> what? You're the, like, you, Do you you're the first the one. Experience like you hate Omar, but we, like, <laughs> we got to ask you that. That's in our. That's we ask everybody that question. Yeah, you're like ask. the first actor we've had from the show, yeah. right? Or we had Bodie, but other than that, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's about it. Shout out so. to JD Williams. Yeah, 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 yeah JD. Thank yeah. you so much, man. I appreciate the time. 
Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us and all that. Doubt. I'll be back. I got some more irons in the fire, as Omar would say. Oh, so please. Yeah, we no, we really got to have, have, have you back. Like, have, a, have much more time with you, man. Talk some more. Yes. Thank you. Um, um, actually, if I could just uh, make a selfish plug. Oh, yes, hell please. yeah. Yeah. Um, I would like everyone to go to um, uh, uh, Crew Count NYC. It's on, that's the Instagram handle, Crew Count NYC. Um, what me and my nephew, Dominic DuPont, and what my business partner, uh, Dana Rackland, what we do, the three of us do, is we, we, um, we, uh, our hashtag is called Rebuild a Block. Mm. And what we do is we are going around Brooklyn and we are hiring, we're going in the, in the communities that they say has the most uh, violence activity. Um, so, so Bloomberg, um, when he was in administration, had started this program called Operation Crew Cut. And what that did was that expanded the gang database to like 40,000 names. They're still adding anywhere from two to 300 names monthly to this list as we speak. Wow. Um, and, and unbeknownst to the community that they're grabbing these names from. So if I live in a, in a, in a gang building, if I'm a gang member and I live in a, in a hot building and you are coming to visit your grandmother in that building and you just happen to get stopped and frisked, your name goes on that gang database because they got you in that building going mm-hmm. to see your grandmother. Oh my God. And, they, and then, and then they use that to, um, to, 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 uh, to, uh, uh, they use it against you. Long story Business. short. So, so what we did was we, we called our program operation crew count and we go in those same communities on those same blocks that they was that g- gathering up names and we are paying the young people in the community to activate their block. We set up the table, set up the food. We got a marching band. Shout out to the Empire Marching Band. They are the best thing coming out of Brooklyn right now. (laughs) They are so dope. The Empire Marching Band, look them up. You will not be disappointed. We bring them out. We bring out a jerk oven. And we have a party, man. We put put them on the block. We did our first one on on St. Mark's in Bed-Stuy. The second one was in the Howard houses in Brownsville. Mm-hmm. The third one, we go into my hood, um, uh, was a Vanderbilt with, now it's called the Flappers <laughs> Garden, but I'm a, I'm a veer head, right? <laughs> so we go into East Flatbush, that's gonna be our third one. And, um, you know, it's a, it's every dime, that everything you see, we pay for it ourselves, man. There's no there's no city funding, we, we raise money for this. So I just, you know, if you could put some ears on that, man, and it's, you know, we're not stopping with November 3rd. Mm. We're taking this, this this campaign and this momentum, and we're gonna take it straight into the mayoral um, uh, campaign in June of next year, uh, twenty one. As you, I don't know if you know, we got we got two brothers and a sister running for mm-hmm. the mayor of New York City. You know, Maya Wiley, uh, 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 Adam Adam, uh, uh, help me out, the borough president right now, Eric oh, Adams. Yeah, Eric Adams. Eric Adams. And then we yeah. got and then we got Ray Ray uh, Raymond uh, McGuire. Ray McGuire. That's two mm-hmm. brothers and a sister. And, you, you know, um, we're going to have to get behind somebody. So this momentum that we're building now, is, it's not just about, oh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the elective, what you call the executive uh, offices that are, that's up on November 3rd. We're going to take this momentum and we're showing our youth and, my, and all of us, our community, because I'm, I'm learning myself. I didn't know all of this, this stuff prior yeah. to, to doing it, you know, how important it is to make your voice, to hold people accountable on the local level know who our council members are, who are, uh, 
you know, shout out to, to our um, our uh, 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 public advocate, Jemani Williams. That's a mm-hmm. brother. And he that's the, that's the office under the mayor's office. We need to educate ourselves as to what these offices, these local um, um, positions mean. And, mm-hmm. and more importantly, who is holding them? And then we got to hold them accountable. So we're not stopping this momentum. After. In fact, we're going to we're going to double down after November 3rd and keep it moving. Because, you know, we're right here in the city and, and it's all about, you know, we got to change home before we can change any place else. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing so it's called, that. It's called Oper- it, it's Crew, Crew Count NYC. Crew That's Count the NYC. Instagram handle. Please. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Oh, oh no. We're going to blast this out, man. Don't don't you worry thank about you. it. Yeah. No. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate we're all it. about civic engagement here. So thank you for doing it. And I'm glad just, just as a person that has a platform like yourself that you're working towards this and that you're cognizant that it has to be an ongoing thing, not just a one time. Mm-hmm. Yes, Thank yeah, you. I don't know if you know um, Reggie Osei, Combat Jack. His son is running. He passed away, but I was the DJ for his podcast before. And that's my brother, and his son is running for a city councilman in NYC next year. So we all about which it. Borough? Uh, I'd have to. Ch- I think in Bed Stuy. I mean, or one oh, of the boroughs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a native. You know, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely reach out, man. We'd love to work together with this whole, you know, movement you're doing and all that, man. Please. Appreciate it. All right, y'all have a good one. I'm Professor Brandon Obunu. This is Danny Lore. And this is Dita Ayala. My name's Genevieve King. This is Peter Ramsey. This is Kiro Karangawa. This is Lexi Alexander. This is Otto Asado. And you are listening to... I am listening to... I am listening to... I like to listen to... I'm listening to... I'm listening to... We are listening to... For All Nerds. What's up, y'all, and welcome back. And once again, thank you, Michael K. Williams, for joining us here in the Winthrop Spaceship. It was a collaborative effort between Safe Negro Pod and For All Nerds. And as you see, he had an amazing time here with us. We had an amazing time with him. Thank you. I mean, what can I say? Like, it was fire, right? I mean, it's what we do. But thank you, thank you, thank you so much for everybody for joining us here today. We got much more in store on the show. And, you know, Safe Negro Pod is not done yet, y'all. I know the episodes mm-hmm. are done. But no, not on, Yeah, but we ain't done. HBO's airing the making of Lovecraft Country on HBO Max this Sunday. So make sure you peep that. And we got a little something special for y'all on Sunday as well. We will be hosting a Zoom call. What, 6 p.m.? We're talking 6, 6 p.m. Eastern. Eastern time, Zoom call. The You know, all the rest of the info will be out there on the interwebs, on the internet very soon. But just know, 6 p.m. Zoom call with a lot of special guests. It's going to be, I mean, something special. Like, something real special. Might be some real special. I mean, no, it's already going to be some real special guests. What am I talking about? Yeah. And what the are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about the whole first season of Lovecraft Country, you know? We just don't get everybody's thoughts. You know, we're going to have all kind of podcasters, bloggers, you know, experts extraordinaire, everybody chiming in. We're going to have a good time. I'm going to be playing some music. Might have some special giveaways, all that type of stuff. Definitely so. going to have some drink, too. Oh, definitely going to have some drink. You know what I mean? 
It's Sunday. I'm going to be getting lit, getting ready for that. The alcoholic kind. Yes. You know, the drink. Because, you know, Sunday, we got to get ready for the making of showing on HBO Max. So I mm. think, I think I, I, I'm still, I, I'm still like wild confused if I have HBO Max or not. You do. Do you have HBO? Yes. You have HBO Max. All right. But I was looking for that Meat Mill movie on there the other day and I could not find it. And they were like, now on HBO Max. And I went looking for it. Just- and, uh, <laughs> Well, double check. I mean, you pay separately for HBO, right? You I have it. Hulu, and like when I go to Hulu, it's like here's the HBO Max hub, you know. So I'm like, yeah, I and have then HBO you click on Max. it. What happens? It shows me everything on it, but I could not find the Meat Mill movie, you know. Like, oh, maybe they're hating on Meat. I don't know. I don't know. You know, Vermeek. disrespectful. Yeah, because they say it's dope, and they say he's really good in it. Charm City Kings, I think it's called. Oh yeah, but like, yeah, I actually wanted to see that. Yeah, and I was, I went to watch it in. Like, so I've still been wild confused if I have... Because whenever I look for something that's like on HBO Max only, I yeah. can't find it. Well, you have it because I didn't do anything special <laughs> yeah. or different to get HBO Max. It's, I have an HBO subscription and it came along with it. Now, whether I'm missing a step because I didn't have to do anything, maybe I am. But I have um, no idea. Yeah, because I have Hulu. I got the HBO on there. You know, my Hulu butter. I got that Hulu Live, all that. I didn't. I didn't do anything. Yeah, I don't it, it know. It was just available. So. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe we special, but yeah, it's time but, for your favorite segment. Yes. Yeah, so what I do know about is it's time for the geek with me. Ask questions. Walk is it? Like that. Where we answer any and all questions that you send to us. Hit us up. Contact the forallnerds.com or hit us on the Twitter, on the Instagrams at forallnerds. Reply to the posts wherever you know. Don't matter. Just hit a question. You know, make sure you tag it with the hashtag guac or geekly asked questions so we can see it. Hit us on the email, like I said before, contact at fallnerds.com. Or if you're on patreon.com, and we ain't even mentioned this all episode, patreon.com slash forallnerds, you can contribute there. You can support us there. Like we say, don't worry about Twitch subscriptions, you know, all them little chips and all them bits and whatever. I don't <laughs> even understand it. I still ain't got a dollar off our Twitch. You know what I mean? I, I mean, if you want, I mean, but if that is your currency, you you yeah, love yeah, the do bits, it. send yeah, the if, bits. If, yeah, if you got the bits, you know, if you want to, if you want to hit somebody else off with some subscriptions, yeah, we always it. down for that. You know, definitely do the. You know, we love that. Like, I love when I see people blessing other people in the chat with subscriptions. That shit is lit. Mm-hmm. So you know, always thank you mm-hmm. for that. Thank you for everybody who's supporting oh, us on Twitch. And also for those who have Amazon Prime subscriptions, mm-hmm. if you link your Twitch account to your yeah. Amazon gaming profile. You and you don't have to use Amazon. You just link the profiles. You yeah. get a free subscription yeah. every month, so you can use that to subscribe. Bless to us. somebody or hit you know so hit us up with one yeah. or subscribe to us. Either one, yeah, or bless somebody with a subscription to us. You know that's yeah. how you do it. So you do it. But yes, back to the main topic at hand. This is the geek when we ask questions, where we answer all the questions. And what do we have up first tonight? The first is from my fave El Alaria. Woo woo! What up? What up hey. across the pond? They write, on the topic of representation, do you think it's better to, A, write characters who are essentially blank slates in terms of race, ethnicity, gender, sexuality, disability, religion, etc., and leave the casting wide open, or B, create characters whose attributes are written into the DNA and influence their personality, actions, and story arc? I hear celebrations and criticisms of both approaches. The former might be described as ill thought out or poorly considered writing, while the latter could be seen as pure pandering or tokenism. Curious to know your thoughts. Damn. I mean, right on point. Like this is, you know, kind of related to exactly what we were talking about. 
I was actually talking to a young guru about the subject because, you know, that's one of the things he didn't like about, I mean, he loves Lovecraft Country, but at the same time, he was like, I just want to see our black goonies where they're just black kids, you know, or let's say to update that black stranger things mm-hmm. where they're just black kids, but it's not like they run into the death of Emmett Till, you know, or things like that. What about like the Bronx, the vampire Bronx film? There we go. That's, you know, that's it. And, and that I think is what he versus the Bronx. Yeah. Know. What I feel like he was looking for, because that's a very, and uh, to answer Elle's question, I lean more towards beat. You know, especially I was watching this flick. Um, I cannot remember the name just that quick. It was Dangerous Lies, I think. Yeah, I think it was Dangerous Lies. And it stars A-Train. I think I talked about this before. And it was a bad movie, you know? A-Train and G.I. are up in it. And they made it <laughs> worth watching. I their character names. Hey, that's Jamie who they are. Chung and uh, who plays A-Train? <laughs> A-Train and G.I. were up in that joint. Jesse so, Usher. Okay, Jesse Usher. And I like both of them. Yeah, I like Jesse. He was in uh, Survivor's Remorse which I really liked. And so I watched it, but it was like, it was badly written in the terms of that Jesse Elser is a black man and his character just acted like he was white or whatever. You know, it just did not occur to him in this movie that he was black and he just did things that a black dude just would not do. So I lean more towards B in that case. I think it depends on genre for me. Like Mm. if it's a fantasy type film where Ninjas is elves and there's dragons and shit like that. Like, yeah, who cares? No, the yeah, um, uh, uh, real life race relations don't matter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus, like, I don't want to see him in that. You know, like what you mean? have pointy ears, six feet tall. Like, real life race relations don't matter, and 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 that shouldn't really be a factor. However, if it's something that has any tie to anything in the real world, particularly, and not necessarily fantastical then yeah, I fully expect, like I would, if I see a black woman on screen, I fully expect her, not necessarily to act like me, but mm-hmm. to have some of her, the way that she goes about the the scene or life or whatever, be informed mm-hmm. by her blackness. Yes. Like there's just certain things, at least, in, and I'm only speaking from a black American woman, there's certain things I will absolutely will not do because being as a black woman in America, I've experienced X and mm-hmm. I know it only results in Y. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to necessarily do that. Like I'm not going to like use the context of right now. I don't trust police mm. so i if you're gonna give me a story where it's centered in quote unquote the real world <laughs> i'm not going if i see a character that's like and maybe that's in their maybe that is in their life like they just yeah. been brought up to to, mm-hmm. to love the police and everything fine that's fine yeah. but also if if someone who has not lived that life i don't expect them to be like oh you know me me and officer homeboy were great <laughs> like i don't think that makes sense to me mm-hmm. so i just think to me it just depends on genre really and I I do like the idea of like and, and, and like for example I mentioned fantasy or, or sci-fi things like that the idea where that character could be anybody because it's not that's not going to necessarily inform how they approach slaying a dragon okay mm-hmm. cool uh, but but there but there but it's also difficult I think you and I were talking about this Ben it's also difficult because so many of stories in general are informed by the writer which is the writer's personality the writer's uh, life, mm-hmm. yep. their ethnicity, their culture. Yep. There's so much from your own personality that informs how you approach a story. Yeah. So, and that's why, like, a lot of times we say things like, "We need more 
uh, you mean are black or indigenous or whatever creators because only those people who have mm-hmm. lived those experiences can sh- really truly be true to that type of character and how that character moves throughout that world yeah so it's it's a little bit of both but mm-hmm. particularly for me it really genre really makes me sway one way or another yeah and i i just would say that also i just like okay here's an idea i have i've i've been wanting to do a 90s version of stranger things with like black kids you know like a, a throwback joint yeah, but 90s. Attack the Block was more like... 2000. I mean, 2000s, 2000s yeah. was current, basically. Yeah, yeah, more current, yeah. But like a 90s joint, yeah, like Attack the Block, or, you know, where black kids run into some... And actually, John Boyega's doing a new joint that's like an American version of Attack the Block. Oh, really? Yeah, he was talking about, or he's and producing it. This, that, you know what, that example of Attack the Block alone, like, mm-hmm. again, it's... that's Now, that's more sci-fi kind of fantasy type element, but... Yep. All of those characters were absolutely informed by their yes. ethnicity and their yes. culture and yes. how they moved, how they talk, how they spoke. And that's why that sh- that movie resonated with so many black people, particularly, but also people of color, because mm-hmm. that's really how if you drop the alien in the middle of the hood or whatever, how they would behave. Yes. And that's what we want to see more of. And what I was talking about before the interview, that's the same thing. It's like we want to see these things because we don't want it to just be one thing show like that's something that bugs me i feel like people are so jaded like they're like oh lovecraft country didn't do this and didn't do that but i'm like how many of the shows like this order right now none <laughs> like it's it, it was genre bending it i, I mean and we we joke about it all the time but you like so many people had a hard time just explaining what it was mm-hmm. oh and, and just like that joke mean that that video mean that went up yep. there like it's a horror sci-fi fantasy historical yes. like yeah it's all of it and and yeah. maybe i realized maybe just the aspect that is hard to define also trips people up. Yes, because people aren't used to that. People are used to very basic things, you know, sitcom, drama, this. That's why Atlanta fucked people up. Because Atlanta was like, I've been rewatching Atlanta and I think it's so brilliant, but it's so it's many brilliant. things in one, you know? It's a drama, it's a comedy, it's a horror, you know, it's a reality Teddy. show, it's a documentary. <laughs> That Teddy episode, the, the Woods episode. I mean, actually, the whole Robin season is like the longest horror season I've seen. Like, it's terrifying, damn near every episode, because hmm. there's always something where you think it's trying to go extremely wrong in every episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> your man Ern gets his ass beat by what's his name on the side of the street. You know that could have gone horribly. Like, and so that's what I mean. Or, or like, I didn't watch it yet, but you keep talking about it. Um. I May Destroy You, which is another genre-bending mm. show filled with Easter eggs. And that's what even uh, Donald and Shorty um, Michaela were talking about in their Michaela interview. Coleman. They were talking about how their shows, black people aren't used to seeing things that have Easter eggs unless they're white. You know what I mean? We're not used to seeing shows that make you think, that make you, that don't, that make you like, do you know this reference? If oh. not, you got to go look it up. You know oh, what I mean? I hear you. We're not used to seeing that because the norm is only white shows. And that's what I talked about with, when I was talking about Lovecraft. Like, people will give a show like Twin Peaks, which is obtuse as hell. I never even got into it, you know, but makes absolutely no sense for like five seasons. They'll give it all the leeway in the world because they're used to seeing white people with shows that are weird. They've been doing it for 50 years, 100 years. You know, we're not used to seeing that. And we put shows so much that pressure are weird, on it. Shows that are weird are shows about nothing. Yep, or shows about nothing. I mean, you know, Seinfeld redefined that. We've never, have we had a Curb Your Enthusiasm? You know what I mean? 
which I would love. I think which would be, we, we amazing. Yeah, like but we, I, I, you know, yeah. I realize some of those more obtuse things don't mm-hmm. get the love, and and I think that's some of the some of that is not obtuse, but but like com- more I guess complex is the word, but. And you're right. It, it's happened with Lovecraft. I've I've mm-hmm. seen it happen with, like, I mean, also some of the stuff just wasn't funny. But like Astronomy yes. Club, it got it got canceled. But oh, it was some man, stuff. But there was it. some skits in there that were like really phenomenal. Yes. And it made you think, like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah, it's just not simple, you know. And I get it. You there's space for both. But yeah, then we we getting all off, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> we, we answered the question. Thank you, El Aria. Yeah, that, thank you very much. That was much. an amazing question. Yes. What's next? All right. Next comes from GameCube, that dude. They mm-hmm. write, I'm sure you guys have talked about this before, but I've always wondered how you how you guys started fan. I started checking you guys out per request from the late great combat Jack, rest in power. Mm. I know DJ Ben Amin was on the show for a bit. Just curious how it all started. Much love and respect. Uh, yes, we we've said this a lot of different times, <laughs> but we've but got mad I, I new can, listeners. I can give you the quick, the quick and dirty version. Yep. Combat Jack, obviously he had Combat Jack show. Combat Jack loves comic books, loves geek culture. Mm-hmm. He had fifty eleven niggas on the show. He <laughs> said, "Look, let's talk. Let's make a show just about geek culture and comics <laughs> and shit and hip hop too, right?" Yep. So he brought the same fifty eleven niggas with him. Um, he looked around and said, "There's too many niggas in the room." Ben, I mean, you, you, the, you, the man at this. I need you to take the reins and and build this up. Ben, I mean, said, "Bet I got you." He started it with Chico Leo. He actually had some uh, Fifty Eleven niggas on that too. But he said, "Man, I don't want to listen to Fifty Eleven niggas talk about <laughs> immediately." Shit. Let, let's so, make that clear. I said this em- after listening <laughs> he said to that the immediately before even <laughs> Chico got one. there. Yeah, episode one, I was like, "Okay, this ain't working." He says, "Too many, too many male voices. Men yep. is trash." Da da da. da. Yes. He said, "We need some women on here." He put out the APB on Twitter. Said, "I need some women to be on this bitch." Too many men in the streets. Yep. Me and Jamie Rigetti signed up. We we did our first episode all together. Mm. Me, Jamie, Chico, and Ben. I mean, first magic, uh, magic, magic. the first time Voila. around. Uh, uh, Prodigy from Mob Deep, Rest in Power, was our first guest. Like how the fuck, right? But and it was and and it was history from there. Now, as you know, different hosts have have come and gone on the show, or we, we really have a rotating third seat. So you see past hosts, uh, past uh, hosts on the show. You may see new hosts, like whatever. The point is. It's evolved tremendously. Obviously, we've changed name, changed brand. We went from fan bros to fall all nerds. Yes, fan, fall fan, all... fan bros was was hilarious to combat Jack to Reggie. Yep. So <laughs> yes, and also for everybody who hears our intro song, because I think about this all the time. That's yes. why our intro song mentions fan bros. Yes, because that is also combat Jack, the late great combat Jack's voice on it, and so that's why we kept it. You know, to pay tribute to the man who founded the show, but we are for all nerds. And I, I was thinking about this the other day, Tatiana. Like, I'm so glad that you convinced me to finally make that name switch when we did make the name shifts because we were debating it for so long. We weren't sure if our years. brand of for years we've been debating it because we weren't sure if our brand of fan bros was already too strong and we didn't want to, you know, lose the momentum that we gained. But we also knew we were holding ourselves back. And as the years went on, it just became more apparent that we were holding ourselves back with that name. And mm-hmm. so when we switched to For All Nerds, now to me, it just feels so dope. You know what I mean? When you say it like For All Nerds, Man. you know, and, like and everybody. Also, 
Everybody. And also, Fam Bros. The fam was always there. Let's yes. be clear. Fam yep. Bros has always been an acronym. And yep. the fan part always stood all, stood for for all nerds. So yes. it was it was just a natural jump. But yeah. But long story short, that's how we got started. Mm-hmm. That's how we are here. And that's how we continue to grow and flourish. And yep. really happy that you are subscribed and listening to us. Yeah. And it's always, you know, it, it's like it's dumb work doing this, but it's also <laughs> it like, you know, the most rewarding, probably very one of fulfilling. the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life, you know. Very so. fulfilling, very rewarding, and has opened so many doors for us. So who has stay it? tuned for that, y'all. Yep. Okay. The next question <laughs> comes from J Shep831. H U, you know. What up? They write, what is a comic storyline that you want to see on screen that hasn't been done already? Either animated or live action. And here comes the AKAs. Uh-oh. Shep, AKA Half Smoke and Barrel. Okay. All right. DC Half Smoke, all right? Yep, and Barrel. I like that. And yeah. Great, great film. Yeah. AKA Black Saw Jim Duggan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, oh, from Hatsaw. Okay. From, ha- from, I mean, from WWE, you know. but what the black, the black, because he's black? Yeah, I mean, when, you I mean, know, know Jay yeah. Shep like in real life. So. Yeah, obviously, you know, it's, it's just like black, black Goliath, you know, like oh, you yeah, know, you're yeah, just blacking right. it up. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I, I really like Half Smoke and Barrel though. Yeah. Oh. Okay. What's the comic story you want to see on screen that has been done already? Uh, Wicked uh, and Divine. Red Sun. <laughs> what didn't Red? Red, Red yeah. did that, no, that came out, didn't it? They, they animated. We tr- know it came out. They did this year. I didn't watch it. Damn, I forgot. Jesus. They did come out this year. That's wow. why I, I I lost my fucking mind. <laughs> I forgot. It, it's already out. It came out in February and Fam. then came out on Blu-ray and shit in March. Fam, I'm watching pan- that tonight. Like, actually, literally right when the pandemic. Yeah, really that's what happened. Hot. That's what happened. I'm watching that tonight. In yeah. the story, I'm watching that tonight. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What we say? Oh, Wicked and Divine. Absolutely. Oh my. Paper Girls. Oh, yo! They started casting today for Paper Girls. Um, <laughs> Brian K. Vaughn posted it on his uh, Instagram. Yep. Yay! They started casting for Paper Girls for the Amazon Prime, and I think that's live action. Yeah, I'm 100% sure that's live action because he was actually asking if if anyone knew people who looked like them or was the perfect one of them, you know, to send them yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, so so that's already on the way. Saga, I've heard different things now. I've heard that... Uh, I thought it was in development for like years. Yeah, animated because... It, it's too expensive to do a live action. It's, you know, still at this point. It, you know, to do a long form series of that would cost them too much money. M- too much more than American Gods. Hell yeah, you got to do all. I mean, well, I don't. I mean, it's like as as CGI comes down, you know. But that shit involves like giant space more, babies and more stuff. More than Lovecraft. Giant space babies that <laughs> blow up planets. You know, what I mean, there's a space baby that Lovecraft spits up had planets. A Cthulhu being killed yeah. by Jackie Robinson. And it looked good. And it looked good. So yeah. I mean, that's also HBO money, but still. Yeah, they would need that HBO money, and you know, and then it'd be like, Ed Saga hasn't ended yet, and it's already how many years would it take for them to get to where they are right now? Technically, Game of Thrones wasn't ended, but here we are. <laughs> So that's not an excuse. <laughs> ah, right. Yeah, right. That shit would end like right where Saga ended. Like a Saga took a break. I'm not gonna spoil anything, but it took a break at 50, I think, and that's where the series would probably end. It'd be like, oh well. Right. It'd be know? like, well, that's the end of the story. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. So <laughs> ah, well, um, one of them and somebody asked about this was Invincible. That was something I always wanted to see, but the animated is coming and I think it looks dope. 
So um, it's still wicked and fucking divine, bro. It's like, there's no question. Or I agree with you on that. Immortal Hulk as a HBO Max horror series, you know, the only way. Or no, as a Disney. Dis, that's what I'm Disney Plus, ain't, you can't put that on Disney Plus. You can't put Immortal Hulk on Disney Plus. You know, it just doesn't even sound right. I mean, God willing, they do, but yeah. Hmm. Hmm. We'll see. I mean, we'll see where they go with the She-Hulk storyline. Maybe, you know, because they're doing Immortal She-Hulk now. I can't wait now. to watch She-Hulk, but... Yeah. And, and, Tatiana Maslany, yo. And, it, yeah, Immortal She-Hulk, the comic, uh, just dropped, or is about to drop. Like, so they might, you know, they they might flip that She-Hulk into it. So who knows? Yo, so fire. Still Wicked and Divine. Right. Yeah. Okay, next. Picture yeah. me rolling. They write, I got no AKAs this time, but I got okay. two questions. Those were the good ones. What some movie or show that you felt was slept on that people should revisit? Mm. And what was the more impressive feat of strength? Jason Voorhees punching a man's head off his shoulders with one punch or Mike Myers doing the slow reverse one hand pull up when he would drop from the ceiling? Uh, to answer in reverse, and I really, I got to think about the slept on, so I'll do it the second part. It's definitely Jason Voorhees. Just for the hilarity of that scene, look it up on YouTube if you haven't seen <laughs> I just it. Just thought like literally knocking someone's block off, like yeah, it's fucking it's, hilarious. To me. It's so good. It, it's it's on uh, Jason comes to New York or whatever that movie is called, but he goes to New York. Never watched it. I just, just imagine. I've never seen it either. I've only seen the clip on YouTube, and it's just amazing because it's like this. It, it sadly it features a black man, and you know the black man does like this whole you know like oh I got you Jason you know he's like it's you know a boxer or whatever so he. Does oh, some footwork. Yeah, I mean, like does Apollo some Creed. Yeah, oh, like Apollo Lord. Creed. He does some footwork, and then I think he hits Jason with a bunch of punches, you know, and, and then Jason just stands there and then just like wham, and his head goes flying off. That is absolutely ridiculous. It is. Is it 80s or 90s? It's very. Oh, it's 80s ridiculous. ridiculous. It's out of control 80s ridiculous. Uh, Late 80s ridiculousness. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I mean, Michael Myers is great, but no, that was just, you know, yeah. What's, what's a movie or show you felt was slept on that people should revisit? I know it never got to finish, but Underground. Mm. Uh, Underground was, was just mm. so fucking... Especially good. for people who aren't getting what Misha's doing on Lovecraft. Oh, my God. Yeah. Underground was so good. And that's why I'm like, once Misha was announced, I was like, oh, this oh. shit's going to be fire. Yeah, but, we do it. We good money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ooh, yeah. Find that shit. Put it on that plex. You know. Und- underrated show or movie? Um I felt like I talked about a movie, and I had to revisit my memory, but I felt like there was a movie where I'm like, nobody cares, and it pisses me off. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I always talk about Hollywood Shuffle. I think that might be underrated to younger people, you know? So I always feel like people should peep that, especially black people mm. who want to understand what Hollywood is all about. Uh, Hollywood Shuffle by Robert Townsend. Mm. It's just one of the greatest films you'll ever see. It's one of the funniest films you'll ever see and one of the most deep films about what goes on in Hollywood and what we have to deal with being there and what mm. it means to our psyche, you know, like consuming Hollywood. It's just so much to it. And it's also just brilliantly funny. So, right. I mean, I could give y'all underrated anime all day, but yeah. <laughs> un- underrated like shows or movies. The Wire season two. Wildly underrated. Wildly I'm, underrated. Again, when I revisit it, maybe yep. I'll feel better. Yo, yo, I really understand. did not like it. I really I, did not like I it. I know, but I think it's just that shock. Because if you let the characters, if you, you know, the, the Zabowskis, whatever their last name is, they are, they're, it, it's it's a like, it's a sad season, you know, and you, and I know it's white people, so you're like, oh, fuck them. But when you, you know, if you like, <laughs> no, 
Well, if you well see, that's what I'm saying. If you if you're like me, I was like, damn, you know, because it's a fucked up tale. You know what happens, and and that's that's what I mean about the wild where it's so dope because it'll get it'll introduce you to these characters, and then throughout the season, you know, it all falls apart for them, and they revisit some of them, but the main family you only see in season two. But it tells a complete story of their life, you know, and then it affects everything else. Mm. Yeah, so. Wire season two is highly underrated. Okay. Tw- just tweet me so we could talk about this more because I'm sure I'm going to have things in my head. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I can't think of any that are like. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, I actually really like that. Do you think, think Nightcrawler got a lot of. Mm-hmm. Acclaim. I like. I like. It got Nightcrawler. a lot of acclaim. Did yeah. it? Okay. Yeah, I think it did. Like critically, people love Nightcrawler, and critically, I think pe- but what and about, people like, seen it? it. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, Nightcrawler is a really weird movie with um. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. I also like. I told you before, you got to go back and see Donnie Darko, and that's like a cult classic. So a lot of people love it, but if you want to see Jake at his weirdest, mm-hmm. it gets no weirder and iller, and a movie that talks about fate and time and. Like, especially all the stuff I've been talking about on Lovecraft, I mean, on Safe Negro Power for the last two weeks about Mm -hmm. fate and, like, decisions and where your, you know, life is leading you and how only God sees everything. Mm. Yeah, Donnie Darko. You need to see that film. I really liked District 9. Um, Mm, That was big, though. Yeah, but I felt like a lot of people, like, it just, like, people just forgot about it. Now, um, yeah, it's just, I, I mean... Being in South Africa, I'm like, why didn't you have like a black lead? But yeah. I still like District Nine. Uh, um, yeah, I know there's lots of white people in South Africa. I know, but yeah, but yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. Next, uh, next and last comes from Philip Winslow. Oh wait, what's 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 my show? <laughs> um, Queen Sono, Queen uh, Queen Sono on Netflix. Yes. 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 Slept on, highly slept on. Watch it. Oh yeah, that's definitely yeah. yes, yes. Highly yes, slept yes, on. Yes, who? Yes, yes, mm, yes, yes. yes. watch that show. Okay, last question comes from Philip Winslow. They write, "Was Kibby or Kibby? How Quibi. do you pronounce it? Kibby, Kibby, Kibby. Quick, okay. quick bites. <sighs> yep. Yeah, okay. that's what it was stood for. Kibby, a victim yeah. of COVID, or just poorly planned service? No one was interested to begin with. Latter. Bofa. I and go. I'll expl- yeah. I'll, I'll explain okay. why. Bofa. Bofa. Um, Both of them. Quibi was designed to be a mobile on-the-go experience, meaning, mm-hmm. for example, you 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 commute in be- between home and your work or or school or whatever the fuck you going to to Fridays, TGI Fridays down the street, whatever the fuck. Like that was the whole point. It it was uh it I say was I it's so funny I'm saying was it's only been six months done and it's done, but it was a platform about between what was it uh five to 10 minutes in length content mm-hmm. uh, completely designed for your smartphone. Yep. And I'm sure you could probably could watch on a tablet, but the point was for your smartphone because you're just watching it real quick. Ha ha. He, he get on a train bounce. So when COVID happened, nobody's going any fucking where they are back home with their screens, their tablets, their TVs, all this stuff. There's no need for a mobile smartphone only type of platform. Mm-hmm. So that fucked it up in the end. Yep. But what really fucked it up was it was a poorly planned service. Yes. One, and this is what I believe, one, they just did not have the blockbuster content they needed to be to stand out and to be viable in a sea, in an ocean of streaming services. They are one of fucking like 
120 streaming services. Yeah. There was another 4.99 on top of whatever else you're paying for for your Netflix and all for your other. Oh, shit. that shit wasn't free. No. Wow. Now they may have let you see a show or two for free, but if you want to see the rest, you had to pay the streaming. What the hell? That, what that wasn't thinking? free. No. What they um, thinking? So content, the content wasn't all that. There was nothing that made you, that pulled you in. Like, if I ask you right now, if I ask you listening and you, Ben, I mean, what, name a show on Quibi. I just heard about this one, the game show, like gay. And I just heard about that because the dude was talking about today? it when they, got, yeah, when they got canceled. You heard so, about it today? Yeah. When it all October 21st, 2020. Yep. When the thing launched six months ago. Yeah. And that's so, my point. Yeah. You either heard about it or you didn't, or you heard about it way too late. And, and that show with the white woman with the golden arm. That everybody was talking about because she was like she was dying because she had a golden arm and she wouldn't take it off and it was like terrible but funny and that's why <laughs> people were you know i went i hopefully i can find that somewhere and watch that maybe but the point was like maybe there were there were some gems there but you didn't know it was there and and just i don't i really not sure how it was really marketed besides like i did see a lot of ads on twitter and shit like that but Mm. where else um and also because you had to pay for it there's so many platforms where yeah. you can get the same short con- like short form content for YouTube. free yeah. tiktok instagram yeah. tv like youtube like they're it, they weren't differentiating and then they're dope too like tiktok you know all these young kids on there doing all the dope ass movies like and stuff geniuses. yeah like i'd rather watch that for freedom watch somebody you know steven spielberg trying to do a five minute movie now like nah fam, like, no bad. and and also i don't even know it was like steven spielberg if you want to say caliber i don't even know it was steven spielberg caliber they on had that, some big names on, on there though they did they, they well, oh they backed up yeah. the money truck and the yeah. re- oh that's true because they yep. raised 1.75 billion 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 as a startup and still so that money was just getting dumped into production whoever stuff. yeah However, it just was not catching on, and it was it was poorly planned and poorly timed. Damn, you know what, fam? Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, someone had a connect over there when they first jumped off, and they're like, "Yo, you got to get four all nerds on there." I mean, and, obviously, we would have took the money, but <laughs> we yeah. would have made it happen. But yeah, that would have been quick. It would have been quick and quick bite. And you know what? Kudos to everyone who got their money, and yeah. even though it's over, they still got their money. Yep. So, yeah. so salutes. All right, I think that's it for the geekly asked questions. As always, make sure to send them in. Hit us up, contact at forallnerds.com or on the Twitter, on the Instagram at forallnerds, and hit us with any and all questions that you have. And before we get out of here tonight, is there anything else we need to talk about other than this new Mandalorian trailer, which I was kind of unimpressed with? I was unimpressed by my baby Yoda. I mean, I'm that's always, always good to see. With, yeah, I'm it's always, always good to see Baby Yoda. Yoda. It looks yeah. good. Don't get me wrong. It yeah. looks good. I just did not see Ahsoka. I did not see Captain Rex. You know, I did not see things I need to see. At this I actually point. think the first trailer was better, just in terms of yeah. hype factor. Because, yeah. you, like you said, you saw the this shadowy figure with the hood in the mm-hmm. corner who ended up being Sasha fucking Banks. Like, yeah. from WWE. Like, I, I just think it was more exciting, trailer one. And there was too much of the shot trooper who um, I've just oh, now a, lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's all we need to say over there. Yeah, yeah but yeah. yeah. Get out and vote, folks. Make sure you get out and vote. Send in your ballots. Do whatever you got to do. But make sure you get out and vote. Please. 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 Uh, also, the Animaniacs trailer, which is coming out on Hulu on November 2nd, premiering on Hulu. Um, that November looks good. 20th. Oh, 20th. Sorry. Reading that wrong. November 20th on Hulu. That looks good. 
that looks good. Um, yeah. And I'm act- I was actually a little bit surprised just because a lot generally when you do reboots, it's just like, oh, here we go again. But mm-hmm. they did bring back the original voice cast. Yeah. Uh, uh, love Rob Paulson. He he pays Pinky from Pinky and the Brain and Yakko Warner, mm-hmm. the the tallest one, yeah, the taller one, and uh, it, like it's still like, and maybe they brought back the same sensibilities of their writing style from mm-hmm. back in the day, but it's it the trailer was very quick witted, funny. Like I actually laughed out loud. That blacklight joke that was woo. They they you know they went hard right away. That blacklight joke, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like it was, I laughed. But you know, right. I was just like, "Oh, y'all skating on thin ice." But yeah. I think that's what makes it animated. That makes work. that makes and it I, work. And I yep. and I also think like now that I'm an adult, because when I when when I was when Animaniacs was on, but in the when was it on? Like early 2000s, 90s, or whatever. Late but it was 90s, on. I was yeah. still too young to get a lot of the inside jokes or the more mm-hmm. mature jokes. Yeah. But now as an adult, I see it all, and yeah. it, it's it's hilarious. So I'm actually really looking forward to watching. I, I actually I wasn't really necessarily checking for it before, but now I'm checking for it. Yeah. All right, and real quick before we get out of here, because I love to do it, it's time for some comic psychopt. That's right, comics I cop. That's C O P P E D. Make sure you use that hashtag on all social media because this is where we talk about all the comics that we've been copping, reading, buying, all that good stuff. Anything new, old does not matter. Uh, actually, I'm trying to make. Uh, I'm doing a project right now. It's a kind of comic related. I'm going to cover my. DJ table and comic books and then lacquer it over. How do you gonna pick which ones? Wicked and Divine. Do you have that many copies that you don't mind? I have a couple extras and I'm gonna hit up anyone comics and see if they got any in the bat bins that are not in good condition that I can just snatch for the low low. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, because you know, they're not gonna be in any condition once I'm done with them. Oh, so that's smart. So you're gonna use like 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 bad condition or whatever or or really old stuff where you have multiple copies to and you're gonna like plaster over your table like are you gonna have like a what is it a plexiglass on top or like how you doing that no i'm gonna put this uh lacquer like poly uh what's it polycrylic over it you like Uh paint it on there and it's a clear coat that will you know protect everything underneath i've been doing youtube but if anyone actually knows anything about this hit me up at dj ben i mean on twitter or instagram and help me because i definitely need some more tips and all that and I've been trying to figure out exactly how to do it. But yeah, I'm going to use like Wicked and Divine. I got some old what ifs. I want to get some black comics, you know what I mean? Like especially like the really, you know, bad black comics, you know, like, you know, the ones that we should not have in existence and put those on there because I just love that. So, you know, that's my little comics project. But I finally caught up on Immortal Hulk. Luna put the effects on that Immortal Hulk because, oh, my God. Lord have mercy. I talk about this book all the time, but, you know, it's particularly relevant right now. It's Halloween season. Lovecraft's uh, country is on. If you want a horror comic book and just an ill comic book that starts off like kind of like Hulk with a Twilight Zone premise, like every issue is a different weird situation that you find the Hulk in. That's really horrific usually. And then it just expands from there and starts using all the history of the Hulk from all the comic books, even from TV, from everything, from the movies, and just really telling this really longer story that I think will be like 60 issues when they're done, plus a couple of specials. And it's just been one of the illest comic books I've ever read. And I'm a big fan of Holt from way, way back. Like Peter David had a run when I was a kid that was just one of my favorite comic books of all time. I advise you to check that out, like pick up reprints of that. But 
I finally caught up on Immortal Hulk, and I'm just like, God damn. Like, it's just, I knew the book was good, but you know when you haven't read like five, six issues, and then you just chew through five of them, and you're like, this shit amazing. Yeah. So, uh, go get Immortal Hulk. That's pretty much my only recommendation. I got to catch up on Swords of X and everything that's going on with X-Men. I'm enjoying this crossover, though, so far. I try to catch up. But, I, like I say, I spent the last week just reading Immortal Hulk, so I'm, I'm you know, I'm back. It's delicious. It's so good. Delicious.